Amen. Turn your Bibles this morning, please, to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. I, he had no idea I was going to do that to him. And uh, thank you. We, Austin has sang in places in the choir, you know, or the ensemble. And uh, I started pushing him a little bit to do some songs in church on his own. And that's what he came out with for his addition. And that, isn't that a great song? And uh, I was thinking we need to get a hymn arrangement of that. It's just verse, hymn, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. That'd be a great, great hymn to sing in church. I'd love to sing that. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm reminded of the words of the song, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. And uh, I was, hon, you, you had to watch babies in the first service. I was telling the crowd then that undone is kind of a Texas word. I've come all undone. And it means I'm a hot mess. That's what it means. And, that, and that's really to the, the core of the matter is that just we, we, we should be overwhelmed by his grace and mercy. It should just be something that, you know, it's, it's unfathomable. How, how, you know, I, I think of that song, how deep the father's love for us. How deep is that? How far down do you have to go to reach his endless mercy? It's incredible. Isaiah 53 has been called the gospel in the Old Testament. And we'll look there this morning, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, because I, I don't want you to, uh, well, I guess you'll just know. I, I just, uh, it was one of these things that's been on my heart this week, but I couldn't put pen to paper. And the Lord just said, just trust me and preach. Just trust me and preach. And so I never know if that'll be five minutes or an hour. And so um, if you get up and leave, I'll know it's an hour, all right? But Isaiah chapter 53 Again, I've used this word a few times. It is an overwhelming chapter. 700 years before Messiah was born, Isaiah saw what he would go through. I don't mean to say that he saw Calvary necessarily, but he saw that he'd be wounded for our transgressions. He saw that he would be bruised for our iniquities. He saw that the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And that by... His stripes, we are healed. He didn't necessarily see everything that would fall out that day, that he was beaten and mocked and scorned. He may not have been able to envision the crown of thorns upon his head or the cat of nine tails across his back. He may not have seen him carry a cross through the streets of Jerusalem and stumble and fall, then Simon picking up his cross, carrying it the rest of the way. He may not have seen him nailed to the cross and dropped into the ground. He may not have been able to hear the cries on the cross, but Isaiah understood something that no other Old Testament saint understood. The Jews, as Isaiah would be writing to, were expecting a crowning king. They were expecting Messiah to ride in on a white horse and to set up a kingdom. Even when Jesus Christ marched into the city, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. They were expecting something different. They were not expecting the man of sorrows. They were not expecting a suffering Savior. But Isaiah foresaw all of that in Isaiah chapter 53, 700 years before the birth of Christ. Let's read together Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. We'll read the entire chapter, then we'll focus in on just... One verse, if the Lord would let us. 
Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. If you'll just stop there for just a moment. Remember that Isaiah was a Jewish prophet writing to Jewish people. And notice what he says in verse 4 about the mistake that people would make. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. If I could take a moment and illustrate what is going on here. Isaiah is trying to help us understand he has carried your griefs and he has borne your sorrows yet in our pride and arrogance we say see you're smitten of God you're not of God or God would not smite you like this and yet the Bible says in the very next verse but in other words here's what you forget he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he has done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, boldly to the throne of grace. And Lord, if we are to ask for mercy, but to find grace in the help of time of need, Lord, certainly we'd find it in Isaiah 53. Lord, to find our Savior there hung upon a tree, Suffering, suffering shame and contempt, and mocking and ridicule and pain and anguish, all to pay the price for our sins. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would help us today. Fill me, I pray, I surrender to you. Would you magnify your word? Would you magnify your name? 
And Lord, may the same Spirit of God speak to each heart in this room today. Help us, we pray. Lord, if someone, anyone, needs to put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ, that they would put their faith in him today, in him alone, before it's eternally too late. Well, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I said something earlier in the service, and it's been bothering me, and I want to clear it up before I start preaching so that I'm right with the Lord. I said that Brother Hansford and I may not agree on everything. I want you to know we've never had a fight. <laughs> I, I, don't, I didn't want to imply that at all. As a matter of fact, I believe it's only about the second time I've ever met him, and we shared a part in the Visser funeral, Broderick and Colton's father, and, and I believe you invested in those boys' lives and taking them to piano lessons and things, Mrs. Uh, Hansford, so we appreciate that, but we've never had a disagreement. We don't have a fight. I just mean to say this. You know, sometimes there, there are apostate groups out there. There's no doubt about it. There's those that aren't preaching the gospel, those that are cultic or what have you. But just because we don't agree on everything, we ought not go looking for fault with everybody that's preaching the gospel, winning souls to Christ. Hey, Jesus is coming soon. And this, this town needs a savior. And we, we need Bible preaching churches. We need more prayer. We need more people faithfully sharing the gospel. So I didn't mean to imply that, that we disagree. Here's the thing. I, I talk long enough, I'm going to disagree with myself. So I, I just meant, you know, there's plenty of things he's sitting here going, this guy is crazy up there today. And that's fine. But we can still love one another. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible says there in verse 4, if you'll notice with me, look there together. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4, the Bible says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. If I could take a few moments this morning and focus in on verse 5. Notice what it says, first of all. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. To my best of my ability, I've tried to research some of these words and understand what they mean a little bit more. And, and here's why. Sometimes we'll see in the Bible a verse that talks about sin and iniquity. And if we look it up in an English dictionary, we find they're synonyms. And we wonder, why did God use the same word twice in the same sentence? And why does he have different applications for the same word? And, and I want you to know that in the, in the originals, they are different words and they have different meanings. And the Bible says right here that he was wounded for our transgressions. The word wounded here literally means to be pierced through. Think about that with me. I, I've had wounds before, and you've had wounds before. You know, we've cut ourselves, we've injured ourselves. I grew up on a, a farm with a lot of barbed wire fences, and so boys, we were always getting cut up and scratched and stung by bees and all kinds of things, and, and, and quite frankly, we probably milked it for all it was worth, and we're, you know, we're dying, and, and we need to go to a hospital, and all we needed was a little Band-Aid and a kiss on the forehead from the mother. And all, you, know, you understand, we, we, we exaggerate those things, and there's others that had greater wounds, but this wound doesn't mean just a, just a cut or a scratch, it means he was pierced through. I can't think of anything that would be more horrible or painful. To have something to pierce right through your body. To go in one side and out the other, but we know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was pierced by thorns upon his head, and he was pierced by nails in his hands and feet, and he was pierced by a spear in his side. He was wounded 
The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. The word transgressions literally means rebellion. Think about that. If we were to uh, get into a legal situation, I know nobody in this room would ever do that, but if you were to get pulled over by the police for speeding or something, they may say that you transgressed the law. You rebelled against the law. There was a stated speed limit. There was a traffic sign that indicated how fast you were allowed to go, and you rebelled against that authority in your life. And I think if we're honest and we look around the world today, we would say that most people live in a place of rebellion. We rebel against authority. There are all kinds of riots in the United States right now. It's incredible to see the, the anarchy and the things that are going on, things that we never thought would happen. We've seen similar yet to a lesser degree in Canada. And it's, it's, it's just the heart of a rebellious person. I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up for rights from time to time. But let's be honest, burning down a department store is not the answer. That's rebellion. The Bible says he was wounded for our rebellion. I think when I look at that word, it's, it's because the author Isaiah, as he's inspired by the Holy Ghost of God, Think about this. If he were to say, I was wounded for your lying, and I was wounded for your hatred, and I was wounded for your sexual sin, and I was wounded for, and started naming sin after sin, how many Bibles would we need to carry it all around? But he sums it all up in one word, and he says, here's the word. You're rebellious. You stand against God. The Bible says that before we were saved, we were aliens and the enemies of God. That's what we were. Outside the covenant of God. The Bible so much goes on to say that we were children of the devil. I'm not trying to put anybody down here. I'm going to tell you this morning that I'm a sinner saved by grace just like anybody else. I was lost in my sins and I was undone and I needed the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the Apostle Paul when he first came to know the Lord and began to grow a little bit. He said, of all the saints, I'm the least. As you grew a little bit more, you know what he said? Of all the sinners, I'm the chief. It's amazing what happens when we grow closer to the Lord. He started even a step higher. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. Then I'm the, the least of the saints, but now I'm the chiefest of sinners. You see, the closer you grow to the Lord, the more aware you become of your own sin. We were rebellious in nature. Have any of you ever had to deal with a rebellious child? Rebellious teenager? How much does it hurt the parent? God has been hurt and marred by our rebellion, our turning from God, enemies of God. Brother Tony Baker has reminded me several times, and I appreciate it. You know, sometimes we, we think, well, what did we do wrong? What, you know, why are they rebelling? He says this, he says, Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world with a perfect father, and they still rebelled. We have a sin nature that puts us at odds with God. That's why he was wounded. 
Here's the thing, if we are not willing to acknowledge that we have transgressed the law and that we stand in a place of rebellion, we have no right to claim that he was wounded for us because he was wounded for our transgressions. Look at the next phrase we come to in verse five. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. When I think about being wounded, I think of a wound that blood flows from. This word bruised means exactly what you think about it. It's talking about when he was beaten and marred. The Bible says they couldn't recognize him. The Bible says that they took a blanket or a cloth and they put it over his face. And they smote him with reeds. I said, okay, prophet, prophesy who he smote thee. The Bible says they hit him with the palm of their hands. They slapped him. They plucked the beard from his face. Understand that this was no light beating. The Lord Jesus Christ was beaten with the cat of nine tails. They put a kingly robe upon him and a crown of thorns and Pilate stood him before the people hoping to satisfy them. But to no avail. They cried out, crucify! So Pilate washed his hands symbolically and said, I wash my hands of this matter. Do with him what you will. He was bruised, why? For our iniquities. See, so what is iniquities? I see that word with sin a lot. The word iniquity means our utter depravity. We're depraved. In other words, again, the prophet could not take the time to list all of the sin and all the things that made us so depraved. Instead, he summed it up with one word, iniquities. Your depravity. Our utter wickedness our departure from God. Uh, some of you here today are saying, well, this is, this is a little bit harsh, preacher, and we didn't come here on a Sunday morning to, to hear. No, no, listen. We have to recognize what our sin is before we can experience the grace of God. Is, listen, did you just hear that song? My sin was great, but his grace was more. His mercy was more. My sins, which are many, but his mercy is more. Hold on, it gets better. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our depravity. Look at the next verse, the next phrase, I should say. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Chastisement means punishment. Punishment of our peace. I've always struggled understanding that. I studied it out a little bit, and it means that in order for us to have peace with God, we had to be punished. But he put that upon him. Now understand those first three phrases stand together. And look at that last phrase. With his stripes, we are healed. Now, I want to I park there just for a few moments. 
But before I expound on that, let me say this. He was wounded for our transgressions is substitutionary. Why was he wounded? Because of you. He took your place. Because of your transgressions. Because of your rebellion against God, he was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's substitutionary. He was beaten and marred beyond all recognition for our iniquities. He took the place of your depravity and he paid the price for your sin. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. How did I get peace with God? Well, God says the wages of sin is death. I must pay a price for my sin. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. I will chasten my son, the spotless, perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ. It too was substitutionary. But look at that last phrase. With his stripes, we are healed. That's a little different, isn't it? That phrase is satisfaction. Satisfied the justice of God. Is satisfied the wrath of God. Notice what he says, with his stripes we are healed. Think about this, the word healed means literally to be made whole. Now, I've heard people pray and talk about a physical healing. This is not about a physical healing. This is about a spiritual healing. Your soul was wounded. Your iniquity caused you to be uh, uh, distant from God. You were, there was that great gulf affixed, and we were so longing to know God, and yet we could not pay the price. So Jesus Christ paid it on our behalf. He was our substitute. But there came a point in this substitutionary act of the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross for us, wearing the thorns for us, taking the stripes for us, taking the nails for us, taking our sins upon his shoulder. There came a point where God said, that's enough. And now you can be made whole. Man, that's grace. When I read Isaiah 53, 5, I see me. He was wounded for my, not our, my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. But here comes grace. But by all of this, his stripes, we are healed. I forgot to mention this in the earlier service, but I, I read a commentary about this earlier. Commentaries are written by men and they can be wrong. But I thought it was such an enlightening thought. It was such a great thought. The author said, I'm not sure if the stripes there are referring to the cat of nine tails or if it's referring to the scars, everything left behind. Anybody got a scar? Yeah, nobody, everybody's been, I've got an appendix scar, you're not gonna see it, all right? Everybody said amen. I got a scar on my arm right here, about this long. We were on a winter, winter retreat with the young people when I was a teenager, and we were having fun. And I guess we decided we were gonna throw Brent Bug out in the snow. And so we reached in to grab him, and he slammed the door, and he got my arm in the door, and when I pulled it out, it was on the lock and went, Rrr. 
But I was having way too much fun to go to the hospital and get stitches, so we just wrapped it up and bled right through my shirt all night. And so I got a massive, big, long scar. It's a stripe. We all have them, don't we? So I don't, I don't know if it's talking about the stripes of the cross or by the, the wounds that healed and the stripes it left. But either way, because of his suffering, we can be made whole. We can be made whole. You get a second chance at life. This thought, I had a young man come to me this week for some counseling. And he was struggling with the grief and the sorrow of the past. And I said, you gotta let that old man die. How many verses in the Bible say, behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are a new creature in Christ. I said, your problem is, is you're holding on. And understand, it's so hard to forget. And it's so, because the devil keeps reminding you. Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10 both say, their sins will I remember no more. You've got to let that old man die. You have to crucify the flesh. Paul said, I die daily. Let him go. Because God has created within you a new life. He didn't, he didn't listen. God didn't just reform some old sinful flesh. He made you a new creature in Christ. Brand new. David said this in Psalm chapter 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And he was praying about his sin with Bathsheba. And you know what that word create is the exact same word as created in, in Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created. You'll notice that in Genesis, God created some things and he formed other things. He formed man out of the dust of the ground, meaning that he created man with ingredients that were already there. But when God created, it is the word bara in the Hebrew, which means he created something from absolutely nothing. That's God. He spoke and it was so. David said to God, God, would you create in me a clean heart? He could have said, could you cleanse my heart? Could you renew my heart? Could you repair my heart? Could you fix my heart? There's a lot of words he could have used. Could you remodel my heart? Could you take this old heart and fix it up? What David was saying, God, there's nothing good in this heart at all. I need a brand new one. He's not talking about that physical thing that pumps blood. He's talking about his spiritual life. God, make it brand new. Let the old man die. I need new life in Christ. How does that happen? By his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah is writing in the future tense. Even though he is speaking as if it's present tense, we understand he's talking about a time that would happen 700 years in the future. I want you to notice something with me and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're almost done. First Peter chapter 2, in verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 
who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye, what's that next word? Were healed. Now, you might say Peter misquoted Isaiah. No, no, no. Peter was practically applying Isaiah. Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? Who's going to believe this, Lord? But he'll grow, grow up as a dry root. And he will be bruised for our iniquities. He'll be wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah is looking down the road 700 years and Peter comes to the people and he says, listen, let me tell you about Jesus who was no sin and no guile. And he's who we ought to follow after. Hey, and by the way, by his stripes you were healed. The work is finished. The cross of Calvary is done. Jesus Christ was buried, but he rose again. And we can be made new because it is all done. You say, what do I have to do to have new life? Honestly, nothing. Just believe. Trust in Jesus Christ. And he will change you. He will change you. It's by his stripes, because of his suffering, because of his anguish, because of the torment, because of the pain, we can be healed. Let me ask you today, have you been made whole? Have you trusted in the finished work of Calvary? We try to balance the scale sometimes, don't we? We say, well, if, I, if I'm a good enough person, I'll go to heaven. And why did Jesus have to die? We're going to do a baptism in a few minutes, and we understand that it's not baptism that saves us. The Bible says, then they that gladly received the word, they were saved, they were baptized. Philip baptized the Ethiopian, and he said, what doth hinder me? He says, if you believe, then you can be baptized. We, we think we can go to church and be a church member. We just brought four church members in. Hey, coming to Bethel Baptist Church isn't going to save you, guys. That's, that's not what does it. We brought you in because you made a profession of faith and trusting in Jesus Christ. What, I, what I'm saying is Jesus has already done everything. And you can be made whole because of what he did. Would you trust him today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor Paul's going to come and take the invitation today as we prepare for baptism. So Ronan, you may slip out and get changed. and Your dad, okay? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open. I, you know, we, we're still doing old-fashioned altar call. And if you want to use the altar, you can. Somebody said this, the altar is where things go to die. We need to die to self and trust in Jesus Christ and thank God for his mercy and his grace. Would you step out and come? Pastor Paul, you go ahead.